If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor, and it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection, and I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hello there. Welcome to the Behind the Mirror podcast. My name is Anna Dimmel, and we are still in the first month of 2019. I can't believe it. Been podcasting a year now. It's crazy to me that I'm still here doing this, and I have loved and am continuing to love every minute of it. Now, this episode this week is kind of a good piggyback to what I talked about last week with our wonderful guest, Rachel Parsons. She is a solo world traveler. She has a show that I saw on PBS, which was how I found her. She's super wicked awesome. But she talked all about bridging these gaps between people that we would tend to be afraid of or tend to not know how to connect with and how to get over those differences and find commonalities. Loved it. Such a great episode last week. It got me thinking about this whole fear issue. And and this is something that I've been kind of pining in my head after like, okay, 2019, I really, I want a mantra, right? And we all want our, you know, New Year's resolution. But for me, I really want to not be afraid. And I want to do things that I normally wouldn't do because fear would have held me back. And so I've just been being super intentional about why I think the way I do, why I don't do certain things when I wish I could do certain things. And this whole mind pattern that I've fallen into, and a lot of it stems from my background in the evangelical world and the faith communities I came from and the teachings I was under and the theology I was under. It was a breeding ground of fear. And so I want to spend this episode dedicated to this whole fear thing, because if you come from any sort of Christian background or even just society in general, being afraid of stuff is like part of how we operate and it can hold us back from so much. And so I'm going to talk all about overcoming fear and how we can be brave and do hard things and not let fear get to be in the driver's seat. So that's the episode today. Super pumped about it. Before I tackle that subject, I want to thank our latest patron. Yay! We have a new patron, and um, it is Alice Ranker. Alice has joined in our Patreon community, and she is supporting this show monthly. And I was just tickled pink when I saw that it was Alice, because Alice, if you're active in our Facebook community, you know who she is. She always brings such fun wisdom and wit and insight, and I've loved connecting with her through the Facebook group. So when she signed up to be in our Patreon community, I was like, what? So cool. So Alice, yay. I am so happy that you're jumping in to support this show the way that you are. It means the world to me. So Alice, thank you. And this episode, we're just going to do it like this. How about this? This episode is brought to you today by Alice Ranker. How'd that sound? (laughs) I've always wanted to do that. Anyway, 
super thankful for Alice and everyone else in our Patreon community. You guys are the lifeblood of this show. I'm so thankful for all of you. And if you out there would like to support this show and be in the Patreon world, you can find out how by going to my website, justajesusfollower.com and clicking on the link Patreon. And also, if you would like to join our Facebook community, there is always room for more. You can join our Facebook community by going again to my website, justajesusfollower.com backslash podcast backslash podcast group. Would love to have you in there. All that being said, I am pumped about this episode. I'm pumped about 2019. I believe this is going to be a fantastic year. So without any further ado, here we go. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Today we're talking all about this thing called fear. And if you're anything like me, there are loads of things that you look back on and you're like, oh, I wanted to do this, or I always felt like I could have done this, but I didn't, or I always wondered about that person or that group or that career or that school or that idea or fill in the blank, whatever it was, but I just couldn't do it. And I think for a lot of us, this has become such a rhythmic pattern that we are so used to playing it safe inside of our fears. And I don't know that a lot of us would have admitted that right out of the gate, at least not me. Years ago, I would have told you that I was pretty bold and pretty feisty and would definitely push the boundaries. And all of that is true. But I never fully pushed the boundaries as much as I wanted to, which I know if my parents listened to this episode, they'd be like, holy cow, there were further boundaries she wanted to go down, (laughs) would freak my parents out. But it's true. There were a lot of roads I didn't travel simply due to the fact that I was afraid. And I think fear can be a good thing right? Like you look at primitive years and primitive cultures, people wouldn't have survived without the instinct of fear, fear to run from a bear coming after you, fear to run from someone trying to attack you or attack your family. Fear can be good. Fear is a survivalistic thing. But over time, as cultures evolved and tribal communities evolved into what they are now. We still live very tribal. It just looks differently. We still have these instincts of fear. And I believe fear can be good. It can save us from things we need saving from, but fear can also hold us back from the life that we were meant to live and the full abundance of joy and freedom and fun and good things that we should be having in our life. So I want to talk all about that. I am not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. In fact, I don't think I've ever had one. And I'm, how old am I? I'm 37. I've never had a New Year's resolution, but um, this year I have one and I'm announcing it to you guys you're the first to hear, by the way. Um, This year, my New Year's resolution is to do the things that I am scared of. And that sounds really like 
vast and broad, but the truth is there are a lot of small steps in my life that I could be taking towards the vast and broad big things that I just simply have avoided because I'm I'm scared. And um I don't want to live that way anymore. I I look at my life and I'm like, you know, living in my box of fear has not turned out so well for me. And so maybe if I do it differently, maybe if I do the opposite, and instead of running from the things that scare me, I run towards the things that scare me, maybe I'll have better outcomes. (laughs) So who knows? We will see how this um, experiment of 2019 goes for me. But so far, I'm surprising myself with how, um, what's the right word? how easy some of these things are that I was so afraid of, if that makes sense at all. So I want to talk a little bit about um, the effects that fear has had on me so far in my life. And maybe some of this rings true for you. I think all of us have different outcomes of living from a place of fear, but um, some of these I think are pretty universal. So Love and fear, we know, cannot share the same space. And this was one of um, the first steps of my religious, spiritual awakening, if you will, my deconstruction journey. This was one of the key elements to that process for me because I realized that if I want to live from a place of divine, godly, holy goodness, I have to live from a place of pure love. And none of us can get completely like God level equality with love, right? We can't quite get there. But to posture yourself in a place where you are going after that goal is, to me, it it totally is embodied in the example of Jesus in his life. That is how he lived. It was just this humble posturing of pure love. And so for me, in my journey of of faith and my journey of following the divine and connecting with Jesus and the story of Jesus i i was attracted to that quality i was drawn that's what pulled me in and so that is what has kept me in the faith but equally that is what pulled me away from the denominational groups that i was once a part of so this idea of chasing after love meant that I can't hold on to fear because, and even scripture backs this up when it says perfect love casts out all fear, right? And so to have love at that level, you have to be emptied of fear. Okay. So this is what started my deconstructing process, which oddly enough involved a crap ton of fear, I might add. Um, Maybe that was my baptism into that whole space of letting go of control. I don't know. But as I journeyed through this, I've I've really seen so much truth in this, that love and fear cannot occupy the same space. They, they're like oil and water. They just don't mix. So the effects of fear for me, <clears throat> one of the main ones was a lack of love. And, and I wouldn't have ever said that I lacked love. I thought I lived a life of love, but it wasn't to the degree of radical love, radical inclusion, radical grace, love without borders, right? Love without boundaries. I wasn't there yet because there was so much I was still afraid of. Okay. Um, Also, 
one of the effects it had on me was avoiding things that felt unfamiliar and things that felt unknown. And that, that just sprinkled across every decision in my life. I would choose the familiar path. I would choose the, I would not have said it at the time, but looking back, I can say the safe route always because it felt familiar. Why do people who grow up in abused homes marry an abuser? Well, it feels familiar. There's something about familiarity that attracts us, that that draws us in. And so fear of the unknown is like this little gateway drug to staying connected to things that are familiar, even things that aren't healthy. Another result of fear in my life was, and I believe, again, this is quite universal, you begin to have a very narrow nucleus of influences, meaning that you see the world from a singular point of view, right? Because you you zone in on this small space of influencers that you listen to, that you follow, that you connect with. And for me, being homeschooled, then going to a Christian private school, only really being connected through a small church, my sphere of influences and voices in my life was very small. And so it gave me this very narrow, singular view of the world. Of course, the whole world isn't homeschooled. Of course, the whole world does not practice the denomination of faith that I was in. But in my worldview, they did. In my worldview, that was how the world should be. And I was very fearful of anything different. Another effect of fear, I believe, is that you spend your life in a box with walls, doors, locks, and a roof. And all of that imagery has been so impactful for me during this last year, specifically as I started seeing the cage that I had built for myself because of my own fears and the doors that I locked to keep myself quote unquote safe and how my life had a cap. My life had a ceiling. I could not go further than what that ceiling allowed me to reach. And isn't it interesting that every time you see Jesus interact with people throughout history, throughout stories in scripture, he's removing doors, he's removing walls, he's taking off caps and removing limitations and ceilings of what someone could or couldn't do. That was what he did on the daily with people. And so, when I started seeing how I had constructed my life with doors and locks and walls that said I could not cross this line or else, I could not reach past this mark or else, to me, that completely contradicted the life, the model of Jesus, of divine love. And that got my wheels turning. So, When I say that I built a box for myself, and I believe most of us in some way or another have done this, 
you take in ideas of absolutes, like I absolutely cannot cross this line. I absolutely cannot go over here. I absolutely must keep this door locked. I absolutely could not imagine a sky higher than the one I can see. And when you live that way, you burrow yourself in and like you reach out from behind the cell, right? That you've got the bars there. You reach out and you hand other people the key. And it's like you're asking them to make sure you stay locked in. Now, we we cover this up in phrases like accountability. We cover this up in phrases like, oh, I mean, I'm just being loving and your good sister or brother in Christ and telling you that you shouldn't be thinking this way. We cover it up with all kinds of things that sound fluffy and religious and godly. But the truth is, when you hand someone else permission to tell you how to think or tell you how to live or tell you what you can and cannot do, you have built yourself a cell with a door, with a lock, and with a key that you are handing to other people. You're handing over the trajectory of your life to somebody else who isn't you, who doesn't have the purpose to live that you do, who doesn't have the convictions and connections with God the way you do, who doesn't have the passions and and desires that you do, and yet somehow you deem them worthy of having authority over all of it. It's absolutely preposterous. And yet, this is how I have lived most of my life. Now, there are many loopholes around this. I think um, for someone like me who tends to be a rebel by nature, you figure out how to pretend that you are inside the cage when you're secretly slipping out. And I I see most of my life as like one foot in, one foot out, where I just couldn't stand the boundaries of someone telling me what I couldn't cross. But I didn't want to leave the safety of the boundaries either, if that makes sense. And so... I lived in a world that had walls, had ceilings, had doors and locks. Okay. From that standpoint of fear, from living in a place like that, you not only develop a fear of others, pleasing them, being afraid of their influences on you if you come from that way of thinking, um, don't want to be, you know, hanging out with the wrong people. You don't want them to to rub off on you with their bad behavior, right? Like you just, you, you begin to be afraid of others who are different than you, who have different ideas than you. They, they, they look like a threat. They, they become the other. You are in and they are out. You are in your cell. They are out of your cell and that is threatening. And so In essence, yes, you're afraid of them, but you actually develop an inner fear of yourself. Because if I have to give the key to my future, to my thinking, to my decision makings, to you, clearly I'm afraid of trusting myself. If I have to not hang out with a group of people because I'm afraid they might trick me into doing something wrong, what I'm really saying is that I'm afraid of myself. I don't trust myself. When you build up fears of others, a little hidden thing that's truly the root of it is an actual fear of you. 
And I believe that this comes from what, for me at least, what I caught from the theology that I was taught. And I'm going to dig into that a little bit. So if you followed this podcast and if you followed my blog, you are aware of my background. All the church stuff, very evangelical, charismatic flair, all the things, right? And so this idea of hell and fire and eternal torment and Satan and all of his demons were very real. And I might add very scary. Um, I remember being a child in children's church and having altar calls. And of course, every child in children's church rushed to the altar because you tell any eight-year-old that they will burn for eternity unless they say this prayer, every eight-year-old in the building will rush to the front. And most likely, will continue down every altar call that they hear for the rest of their life just to be sure that they didn't miss it. This was how my view of God and heaven and hell started. And so nobody told me to be afraid of God not liking me. Nobody told me be afraid of God wanting to set you on fire for eternity. Nobody said that. Those were not phrases or sentences that I heard. But I walked away very afraid of hell. I didn't want to go to hell. I mean, do you want to go to hell? Like, I don't think anybody wants to go to hell. (laughs) Nobody would willingly sign up for, you know, being lit on fire for eternity. Um, And so that was a real fear. This fear of disappointing God, too, was something that really stuck with me in my older years. I think as I became um, a young adult, I felt like I'd said the salvation prayer enough. I felt a strong connection with God, and I connected with God on a very intimate, deep level. I wasn't afraid of him. You know, that verse that they always say, um, well, you don't want to get to heaven, and, and God will say, away from me, I never knew you, right? Like, I was like, I think I'm good there. God pretty much knows me. I'm banging down heaven's gates every single day. He knows me. Pretty sure he knows me. So I, my fear of hell dwindled at that point. But in its place rested this fear of God not being happy with me. This fear of not pleasing him. Not doing God's will. It's a phrase I remember writing a lot in my journal. Um, and that... That's hard. I think any relationship where you feel like you constantly have to impress the person that you're with or constantly have to make them proud of you, you never fully feel secure. I, I've been lucky. Um, I have two really, really awesome parents. And I, I know I gave them a run for their money in raising me, and I will fully admit that till the day I die. But as many times as I quote unquote disappointed them, or as many times as I, I'm sure, like made them flaming mad at me, they, I never felt like I had to make my parents proud, if that makes sense. I mean, I did to a degree. Of course, you want your parents to be proud of you, but I knew. My parents were proud of me just for me. 
I knew that. Like, I genuinely had this security inside that knew, eh, they like me. I mean, they might not like me today or like the choices I'm making, but at the end of the day, they they kind of think I'm pretty cool. My parents think, gosh, we did a good job with her. I mean, I I genuinely felt that my parents thought I was great, even when I was in trouble. So however that worked out, they did a really good job. Um, and my brother would say the same. I think we both walked away feeling like, wow, they our parents are really proud of us, like sometimes almost too proud, like they overshare and overbrag about us, that kind of thing. And so I, I see other people who have this constant like struggle with, with a parent that they feel like their parent is always shaming them or always dismissing them or always telling them um, how unproud of them they are or what a disappointment they are or just making them feel terrible about themselves. And I watch the anxiety that that brings in a relationship dynamic like that. And I just think to myself, wow, I'm thankful that I didn't go through that with my parents. And so when I, when I switch this over to my view of God, to imagine a relationship that feels like you're constantly having to show up, constantly having to impress constantly having to stay in their good graces or their good favor or bad things will happen to you. It's an anxious place to be. And I fell into that in my relationship with God. Now, I didn't fall into it to the degree that I've seen other people fall into it. Um, I didn't go into the whole self-loathing, self-hating thing. I, I didn't land there. But I teetered on that edge for sure. Wrapped up in that, I think, was this idea that I carried a responsibility to save everyone else from hell. And I had listened to people talk about this, people like Todd White, people, um, various pastors and preachers, and they, man, they make you feel like smaller than dirt for all of the people that you pass every day that you're responsible for not saving them. Um, Carrying that fear of other people going to hell was, it's a big thing to carry. And in my pastoring, the beginning of my ministry years and a little bit into my pastoring, I carried some of that. And that, whew, that's a heavy one. That's heavy. Um, And then there's this fear of Satan. And, and, you know, I'm saying this now and I'm kind of giggling a little bit because I'm like, really, Anna, you were afraid of Satan. This is so stupid to even say this out loud, but I'm not kidding you. Like I was afraid, like nightmares when I was a kid, like afraid to be in the dark because I was afraid demons were going to come attack me, like afraid of going over to a friend's house that wasn't a Christian because I was afraid they had demons hiding in, you know, like statues and stuff that were going to embody themselves in my brain and trick me into believing some weird religion and I'd burn in hell for forever. And like this stuff, again, this was not explicitly taught, but it was certainly caught. And I, and I seriously, somebody send me an email and tell me that I'm not crazy. Like I'm sure a lot of you guys (laughs) felt the same thing, right? Like this stuff was legit. It was scary. And and I anointed doors with with the oil. I I was casting out demons, y'all. I did it all. I was flipping scared, scared, and um, and you know I don't know that 
the practice of anointing your house is bad at all. I think it's symbolic and it can be very beautiful. But when you're doing a practice like that for the sake of being afraid, it becomes a practice that is done that's not beautiful, but more something that's done in terror or in fear or in a reaction to something that is not a reaction to love, but a reaction to fear. And um, God bless my dad. Okay, I'm going to give you guys a funny story here. So when I was younger, um, again, very charismatic environment. And, and my dad loved to anoint things. I mean, got real excited about the anointing of things. And I'm sure if you're listening, dad, this is all said in good fun. I love you dearly. And I'm sure he'd be okay with me telling this story. But um, he, you know, if we were sick, he would anoint our foreheads. If, you know, we bought a new house, he would go through and he would anoint all the doorways. And, and it was very sweet and very meaningful and memorable. However, <laughs> however, my dad loves to save money. And he, you know, he is a bargain shopper. He likes to buy off-brand everything. He hates name brand anything. And, you know, just doesn't want to spend more than he has to. And one would think that the anointing of one's house, I mean, you would like get the finest of olive oil, right? Like I know people like spend gobs of money importing oil from Jerusalem and stuff, right? You would think that this would be one of those occasions when someone would break out the fine olive oil. Oh no. Not in the Dibble household. No, 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 no. My dad, my dad, he brought out Best Choice. And if you know what Best Choice is, I think, is it Price Chopper? Is that the off-brand of Price Chopper? Best Choice brand olive oil, 99 cents. That was what we anointed our house with. That's what I got anointed with when I was sick, when I was little. Best Choice. And I never understood that. I was like, you know, if this is such a meaningful thing, shouldn't we buy like name brand olive oil? But no, 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 no best choice. It wasn't even olive oil. It was like canola oil or something. I don't know. Vegetable oil or, you know, the cheapest of the cheap. That was what we anointed our house with when I was younger. Now, when I was in my anointing oil days, oh no, I got the good stuff. I didn't buy the stuff from Israel or anything, but I was like, I'm going to have the name brand of oil. Good Lord. Okay. That was a sidetrack. There's a little look into my childhood. But all I'm saying is this fear of the demonic, this fear of Satan, it was a genuine fear. And I genuinely believed if we anointed our house that, you know, it was like marked that Satan couldn't get us. Okay. When you have a fear of Satan being something that holds so much power that it has the power to like Jedi mind trick you. And I'm not saying this in, in jest. I'm saying this in, in trueness of the reality of the fear that a lot of people still have is that they are afraid of Satan or the enemy convincing them of a lie. And now this is taught from pulpits. This is taught in Christian help books. This is promoted like crazy town. You need to be afraid because the enemy can sneak in like a thief and trick you to where you believe a lie and you've turned from God and you're going to be damned forever. And when you believe that about this being that you've never seen, that you've never talked to, that you've never really interacted with, this invisible force has so much power. It's terrifying. 
it's terrifying. And again, again, this goes back to love versus fear. Who wins in that ring, right? Even if you buy into the Satan having power argument, which I'm not, we're not going down that road today. But if you buy into that and you believe that there is a real Satan with a real power and a real demonic force out there, if you believe that, who wins? Like who has more power, love or fear? Because I believe anything dark is involved with fear, anything. So you're looking at light and dark. You're looking at love and fear. Which one holds the more power? Which one is embodying you? If you are embodied by the divine, if you are embodying love and light, what are you afraid of? No one's going to Jedi mind trick you. No little demon is going to sneak out of a thrift store bag that you bought that has a Buddha on it that's going to come trick you into being a Buddhist. Like These are the arguments that people have that genuinely keep them literally handing over a key to someone else and climbing into their cell and sitting in it and locking the door and trembling inside. This is what it does. For those of us who have moved into a space. And I had, um, and I encourage you, if you've not heard the episode where I talked with William Paul Young, uh, the author of The Shack, I so encourage you after this episode's done, go listen to that episode because he talks about hell and all the things so beautifully. Um, Great episode. That was a little side note. If you genuinely have moved into this new space now, which is where I am, which is where I've let go of a lot of that stuff. I see the texts differently now. I see the idea of darkness differently now. I see no real fear of hell anymore. And I don't see a need to be fearful of this demonic creature attacking me. Um, It's amazing how your world begins to open up with a lot of love. It's amazing. And you know, scripture says, judge a tree by its fruit. And I got to tell you, letting go of those things for me opened me up to so much peace, so much freedom, so much joy, and endless possibilities. I think for me, moving out of, and again, I shared all of that with you to show you the foundation that I believe when you come from a very evangelical religious background. The foundation that is formed for you built on fear is legit. It's real. And even though you may let go of some of the verbiage and some of the ideas and even some of the theology, the fear foundational bricks are still there. The cell door is still there. The lock is still there. The ceiling is still there. So moving out of that, it takes intentionality. I I didn't realize how much of that uh, the weight of all of that was still resting so heavily on me until I started dealing with fear and forcing myself to move past it, forcing myself to investigate what is it I'm really afraid of? Like, where is this coming from? So an interesting thing that has happened for me is when I started, even as I was prepping for this episode, writing all this stuff down, um, When you are moving into a space of new ways of thinking, new possibilities, 
what ifs begin to really pop up. They begin to resurface. And things like, well, what if the fear of hell is not here anymore? What opens up for me then? What would I do differently in my life if I was not afraid of going to hell? What if it's not possible for me to disappoint God? What if I can't lose God's favor? What if his favor is already cemented and there's nothing I can do to mess that up? What if that's the gift? How would I live my life differently? What if I don't have to carry the weight of other people going to hell? What if that's never been in my job description and that's not a burden for me to carry? How would I view my relationships differently? How would I view connecting with people differently? What if I don't have to be afraid of Satan or the enemy or some demonic force trying to trick me? What if that goes away? How would my life look different? How would my interactions with things, people, neighborhoods, ideas, cultures, how would all of that shift? It's amazing to me how much, as much as it pains me to say this, how much I'd let go of a lot of that theology, and yet the fear of it still stuck. And I've had to do some unraveling. I've had to do some unwinding. I've had to do some U-turns and navigating internally to figure out where this thread started and how to unlatch myself from it. And for me, it started with the small steps of, okay, I normally wouldn't attempt this because I would be afraid because it's unfamiliar. It's unknown. It doesn't feel safe. But you know what? I'm not living that way anymore. So if I feel afraid of it, I'm going to do it. I've literally, January, the month of January has been this way for me. And I'm having so much fun. And not only am I having fun, but I'm actually like feeling super accomplished. I'm I'm feeling alive again. I'm feeling excited about life again. I'm feeling like the ceiling to my prison cell has been taken off. And now it's just free air above me. And it's like, holy cow, the possibilities are endless for me. Whereas before it was like slam doors everywhere I turned. So what if, what if, what if those things that you have been afraid of What if you're meant to go after them? What if you weren't afraid of them? What would your life look like? What if the world is bigger than your fears? What if the life that you could have is like way better than you think you're supposed to have? What if the career space, the job space, the marriage What if all of that is supposed to be and can be everything you ever hoped for or maybe were afraid to hope for? What if we took off the cage doors and the ceilings and the locks and the keys and instead 
we started going after the things that otherwise would have terrified us. There's so much good, so much good in the upbringing that I had and probably good that you can mine and gold that you can dig up and find in the background that you have and I have and that we share. But there were some yucky weeds and the biggest one for me has been this right here, my fear level, the level of fear I've carried into absolutely every avenue of my life. And I just simply refuse to keep living like that. And apparently, it's like that saying, you know, you can take the person out of the trailer park, but you can't take the trailer out of the person. Isn't that the phrase? I think that's the phrase. Um, I grew up in the South, clearly. Um, I, You know, it's like that. You can take the girl out of the evangelical world, but you can't take the evangelical things out of her. Like, it's it, it was in me. It was like part of my makeup. And so little by little, for me at least, I'm choosing to do the things that scare me the most. That's my goal this year. That is my goal. And we shall see where I end up. Um, My hope for you is that you live a life without doors, that you live a life without locks and keys and bars and without ceilings and caps, but that you live a life that is full and bubbling over to every avenue of your life with goodness and joy and peace. Jesus himself said, don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. And there's another verse that says, perfect love casts out all fear, right? Like there is good in the world that I come from and the world that you come from, these truths are there, but they were all like muddied over with fear messages and, and divisive tactics and, and very tribalistic, um, narrow spaces. But what if the world that you can live in is bigger than that? I hope that this inspired you. I hope that this, gave you permission to start thinking bigger and start taking down some of those building bricks inside of your own heart and inside of your own mind of what's possible and what isn't possible and that you can start living your life full of love instead of fear. I love you guys. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.